Welcome to the show, everybody. This is your boy, Lo Jackson, coming to you live with the Only You Podcast, where I do book reviews based on self-help, educational, behavioral, personality books that'll help you get out of depression, help you with personality disorders, maybe help you understand anxieties that you didn't know you had, where they came from, how they manifested, and maybe help somebody dig their way out of a hole that they had no idea that they were digging. And today I'm going to be going over a book with you called The Master Key System. This is our second season of the Only You Podcast. And this book was published in 1916. Um, I want you guys to know that this uh, second season of my podcast, I'm going to try to do older books, but I'm also going to include coping skills with each book that I do because... I feel like coping skills are something that everybody in the world lacks. Um, The Master Key System was written by Charles Francis Hainel. Um, Charles was born on May 22nd, 1866, and he passed away on November 27th, 1949. He was an American author, philosopher, and businessman. He is best known for his contributions to the New Thought Movement through this book, the master key system. I give this book a five-star review just for the simple fact that it offers a lot more um, insight into um, uh, just different things you can do to pretty much become an all-around better person. And um, like I said, the the exercises in this book, I want to share the exercises because I feel like these were um, the most um, helpful for me, and I tried them um, this last week. I did like all these exercises for about seven days up until today. Um, each chapter in this book ends with an exercise which the reader is encouraged to undertake every day for about four to seven days. Um, the exercises are meditations that require the reader to first sit comfortably in a chair. And uh, the sequence of exercises in each chapter um, is as follows. And one is sitting still. Two, inhibiting all thought combined with previous exercise. Three is releasing physical tension combined with previous exercise. Four, letting go of all negative emotions combined with previous exercises. Visual five is visualizing a pleasant place. Six, remembering details from a photo of someone. Seven, visualizing positive facial expressions on the face of a friend. Eight, visualizing everything that leads to the construction of a battleship. Nine, visualizing a flower growing from seed. Ten, visualizing certain geometric forms 11 concentrating on a quote from the bible or another famous person or a theologian 12 is contemplating your unity with omnipotence and for those of you that don't know what omnipotence means is the quality of having unlimited power and omnipotence any omni actually came from God because there's omnipotence, omnipresent, omnisense, um, omni, omnibelevenance, omniscience, omnipresent, many omnis. 
13 is contemplating being part of the whole. 14 is focusing on harmony. 15 is contemplating the fact that knowledge needs to be applied to be useful. 16 is contemplating that happiness and harmony are states of consciousness. 17, focusing on the object of your desire. 18, focusing on the power to create. Create a logical basis for your faith. And 19 is total concentration on what you want. 20, focusing on in him we live and move and have our being. 21 is focusing on truth. 22 is concentration on a Tennyson quote. Speak to him though for he hears and spirit with spirit can meet. Closer is he that breathing Excuse me. Closer is he than breathing and nearer than hands and feet. That was a quote. 23 is contemplating the fact that man is a spirit with a body. And 24 is realizing that this is a wonderful world. And thank you for tuning in again. This is the Only You Podcast. And we're in our second season. And this season I am going back in time. And I am going to start doing um, self-help, behavioral, personality, you know, all these different psychological books. I'm going to start all the way from the 1900s and build back into what we've been doing this past year. But that was just a taste. And now today we're doing the Master Key System. And I do find this book very interesting. Um teaches a lot of different things. Um, this book was written by Charles F. Hanel, and it was actually published in um, 1916. And thanks again, you guys, for tuning in. Um, this is our second season here at the Only You Podcast. And this is all... Um, every Any podcast that you listen to is a lot of work that goes into it. And the Master Key System goes like this. Nature compels us all to move through life. We could not remain stationary however we, however much we wished. Every right-thinking person wants not merely to move through life like a sound-producing, preambulating plant, but to develop, to improve, and to continue to develop to men- mentally to the close of physical life. This development can occur only through the improvement of the quality of individual thought and the ideas, actions, and conditions that arise as a consequence. Hence, a study of the creative processes of thought and how to apply them is of supreme importance to each one of us. This knowledge is the means whereby the evolution of human life on earth may be hastened and uplifted in the process. Humanity ardently seeks the truth and explores every avenue to it. In this process, it has produced a special literature which ranges the whole gamut of thought from the trivial to sublime, up from divination through all the philosophies to the final lofty truth of the master key. The master key is here given to the world as a means of tapping excuse me, taping the great cosmic intelligence and attracting from it 
that which corresponds to the ambitions and aspirations of each reader. Everything in institution we see around us, created by human agency, had first to exist as a thought in some human mind. Thought, therefore, is constructive. Human thought is the spiritual power of the cosmos operating through its creature man. The master key instructs the reader how to use the, that power and use it both constructively and creatively. The things and conditions we desire to become realities we must first create in thought. The master key explains and guides the process. The master key teaches, excuse me, the master key teaching has hitherto been published in the form of correspondence course of 24 lessons delivered to students one week for 24 weeks. The reader who now receives the whole 24 parts at one time is warned not to attempt to read the book like a novel, but to treat it as a course of study and consciously to apply the meaning of each part. Reading and rereading one part only per week before proceeding to the next. And that's what I did, which I did I did it over a seven-day period. Otherwise, the latter parts will tend to misunderstood and the readers excuse me let's, let's reread that otherwise the latter parts will tend to be misunderstood and the readers time and money will be wasted used as thus instructed the master key will make of the reader a greater better personality and equipped with a new power to achieve any worthy personal purpose and a new ability to enjoy life's beauty and wonder F.H. Burgess. Before any environment, successful or otherwise, can be created, action of some kind is necessary. And before any action is possible, there must be thought of some kind, either conscious or unconscious. And as thought it is a product of mind, it becomes evident that mind is the creative center from which all activities proceed. It is not expected that any of the inherent laws which govern the modern business world, as it is at present constituted, for can be suspended. Excuse me. Let me reread that. It is not expected that any of the inherent laws which govern the modern business world, as it is at present constituted, can be suspended or repealed by any force on the same plane, but it is axiomatic that a higher law may overcome a lower one. Tree life causes the sap to ascend, not by repelling the law of gravity, but by surmounting it. To control circumstances, a knowledge of certain scientific principles of mind action is required. Such knowledge is a most valuable asset. It may be gained by degrees and put into practice as fast as learned. Power over circumstances is one of its fruits. Health, harmony, and prosperity are assets upon its balance sheet. It costs only the labor of harvesting its great resources. The naturalist who spends much of his time in observing visible phenomena is constantly creating power in that portion of his brain set apart for observation. The result is that he becomes very much more expert and skillful in knowing 
what he sees and grasping an infinite number of details at a glance than does his unobserving friend. He has reached this faculty by exercise of his brain. He deliberately chose to enlarge his brain power in the line of observation, so he deliberately exercised that specific fa faculty over and over with increasing attention and concentration. Now we have the result a man learned in the lore of observation far above his fellows. Or, on the other hand, one can, by stoloid in, inact, oh, excuse me, inaction, allow the delicate brain matter to harden and ossify until his whole life is barren and fruitless. Every thought tends to become a material thing. Our desires are seed thoughts that have a tendency to sprout and grow and blossom and bear fruit. We are sowing these seeds every day. We shall, what shall the harvest be? Each of us today is the result of his past thinking. Later we shall be the result of what we are thinking now. We create our own character, personality, and environment by the thought which we originate or entertain. Thought seeks its own. The law of Mental attraction is an exact parallel to the law of automatic affinity. Mental currents are as real as electric, magnetic, and heat currents. We attract the currents with which we are in harmony. Are we selected those which will be conductive to our success? This is the important question. Lines of least resistance are formed by the constant action of the mind. The activity of the brain reacts upon the particular faculty of the brain employed. The latent power of the mind is developed by constant exercise. Each form of its activity becomes more perfect by practice. Exercises for the development of the mind present a variety of motives for consideration. They involve the development of the perspective faculties, the cultivation of the emotions, the quickening of the imagination, the symmetrical unfoldment of the intuitive faculty, which without being able to give a reason, frequently impels or prohibits choice, and finally, the power of the mind may be cultivated by the development of the moral character. The greatest man, said Seneca, is he who chooses right from invincible determination. The great, the greatest man, oh yeah, I read that. The greatest power of the mind then depends upon its exercise and moral channels and therefore requires that every conscious mental effort should involve a moral end. A developed moral conscious modifies consideration of motives and increases the force and continuity of action. Consequently, the well-developed symmetrical character necessitates good physical, mental, and moral health, and this combination creates initiative power, resists restless force, and necessary success. It will be found that nature is constantly seeking to express harmony in all things.
is forever trying to bring about a harmonious adjustment for every discord, every wound, every difficulty. Therefore, when thought is harmonious, nature begins to create the material conditions, the possession of which is necessary in order to make up a harmonious environment. Which I think that makes pretty, pretty good and easy sense to me. Don't you? When we understand that mind is the great creative power, what does not become possible? With desire as the great creative energy, can we not see why desire should be cultivated, controlled, and directed in our lives and destinies? Men and women of strong mentality who dominate those around them and often those far removed from them really innate currents charged with power which coming in contact with the minds of others cause the desires of the latter to be in accord with the mind of the stronger individual. Great masters of men possess this power to a marked degree. Their influence is felt far and near, and they secure compliance with their wishes by making others want to act in accord with them. In this way, men of strong desire and imagination may and do exert powerful influences over the minds of others, leading the latter in the way desired. Which, I mean, that also, I mean, some of the, this book is really self-explanatory. I mean, it's not really using hard terminology that's hard to follow this is pretty layman terms here the magnetic persons attract allure and draw they are emotional and capture the will of others some say that that's what kind of um, personality i am i'm magnetic or energetic no man has ever created without the inherent power in himself to help others the personality that understands its own intellectual and moral power of Conquest will certainly assert him itself. It is the truth which an infamined world craves today. The possibility of asserting a slumbering intellectual courage that clearly discerns and a moral courage that grandly undertakes is open to all. There is a divine potency in every human being. Amen. We speak of the sun as rising and setting though we know that this is simply an appearance of motion. To our senses, the earth is apparently standing still, and yet we know it is revolving rapidly. We speak of a bell as sounding body, yet we know that all the bell can do is to produce vibrations in the air. When these vibrations come at the rate of 16 a second, they cause a sound to be heard in the mind. It is possible for the mind to hear vibrations up to the rate of 38,000 a second when the number of increases beyond when the number increases beyond this all is silent again so that we know that the sound is not in the bell it is in our mind we speak and even think of the sun as giving light yet we know it is simply giving forth energy which produces vibrations in the either at the rate of 400 trillion a second causing what are termed 
light waves so that we know that what we call light is simply a mode of motion and the only light that there is is the sensation caused in the mind by the motion of these waves when the number of vibrations increases the light changes in color each change in color being caused by shorter and more rapid vibrations so that although we speak of the rose as being red the grass as being green or the sky as being blue we know that these colors exist only in our minds and are the sensation experienced by us as a result of vibrations of light when the vibrations are reduced below 400 trillion a second they no longer affect us as light but we experience a sensation of heat so we have come to know that appearances exist only for us only in our consciousness even time and space become annihilated time being only the experience of sessions succession there being no past or future except as a thought relation to the present in the last analysis therefore we know that one principle governs and controls all there is every atom is for ever conserved Whatever is parted with must inevitably be received somewhere. It cannot perish and it only exists for use. It cannot go on. And it's talking about, he's talking about energy here because, um, you know, energy cannot be created or destroyed. And I believe that's where he's going right here. It cannot perish and it only exists for use. It can go only where it is attracted and therefore required. We can receive only what we give and we may give only to those who can receive and it remains with us to determine our rate of growth and the degree of harmony that we shall express the laws under which we live are designed solely for our advantage these laws are immutable and we cannot escape from their operation all the great eternal forces act in some silence but it is not our power to place ourselves in harmony with them and thus express a life of comparative peace and happiness. Difficulties, inharmonies, obstacles indicate that we are either refusing to give out what we no longer need or refusing to accept what we require. Growth is attained through an exchange of the old for the new. And like the Bible says, the old is gone and the new has come. Of the good for the better it is a conditional and reciprocal action for each of us is a complete thought entity and completeness makes it possible for us to receive only as we give we cannot obtain what we lack if we tenaciously cling to what we have and that's what i always tell myself every morning i wake up and i'm doing my routine i always say to my i say to you know i say out loud you know, because no one's ever going to believe anything as much as you believe yourself because there's no sweeter voice in the whole wide world but the voice of your own voice. And no one's going to believe you as much as you believe yourself. So, you know, I say, you know, every day when, when, I, uh, when I wake up, you know, I try to reiterate all the positive things that make me who I am, you know, because... If, if we cannot obtain what we lack if we tenaciously cling to what we have, you know, because I try to always tell myself, I am a conduit. Money comes to me and it flows through me. 
I don't hold it. I don't save it. I don't need to because it's constantly flowing to me and flowing through me because I'm just a conduit. The principle of attraction operates to bring to us only what may be to our advantage. We are able to consciously to control our conditions as we come to sense the purpose of what we attract and are able to extract from what each experience only what we require for our further growth. Our ability to do this determines the degree of harmony or happiness we attain. The ability to appropriate what we acquire, excuse me, what we require for our growth continually increases as we reach higher planes and broader visions. And the greater our ability to know what we require, the more certain we shall be to discern its presence, to attract it, and to absorb it. Nothing may reach us except what is necessary for our growth. All conditions and experiences that come to us do so for our benefit. Difficulties and obstacles will continue to come until we absorb their wisdom and gather from them the essentials of further growth. That we reap what we sow is mathematically exact. We gain permanent strength exactly to the extent of the effort required to overcome our difficulties. Uh, the inexorable the inexorable requirements of growth demand that we exert the greatest degree of attraction for what is perfectly in accord with us our highest happiness will be best attained through our understanding of and conscious cooperation with natural law our mind forces are often bound by the par- paralysis excuse me paralyzing suggestions that come to us from the crud thinking of the race and which are accepted and acted upon without question. Impressions of fear, of worry, of disability, and of inferiority are given to us daily. These are sufficient reasons in themselves why men achieve so little, why the lives of multitudes are so barren of results, when all the time there are possibilities within them which need only the liberating touch of appreciation and wholesome ambition to expand into real greatness. Women, perhaps even more than men, have been subject to these conditions. This is true because of their finer susceptibilities, making them more open to thought vibrations from other minds, and because the flood of negative and repressive thoughts has been aimed more especially at them. But it is being overcome. Florence Nightingale overcame it when she rose in the Crimea to heights of tender sympathy and executive ability before unknown among women. Clara Barton, the head of the Red Cross, overcame it when she wrought a similar work in the armies of the Union. Jenny Lind overcame it when then she showed her ability to command enormous financial rewards while at the same time gratifying the passionate desire of her nature and reaching the front rank of her day in musical art. And there is a long list of women singers, philanthropists, writers, and actresses who have proved themselves capable of reaching the greatest literary, dramatic, artistic, and sociological achievement. 
Women as well as men are beginning to do their own thinking. They have awakened to some conception of their possibilities. They demand that if life holds any secrets, these shall be disclosed. At no previous time has the influence and potency of thought received such careful and discriminating investigation. While a few seers have grasped the great fact that mind is the universal substance, the basis of all things, never before has this vital truth penetrated the more general consciousness. Many minds are now striving to give this wonderful truth definite utterance. Modern science has taught us that light and sound are simply different intensities of motion, and this may lead to discoveries of force within man that could not have been conceived of until this revolution was made. This revelation was made, excuse me. A new era has dawned, and now, standing in its light, man sees something of the vastness of the meaning of life, wholeness, excuse me, life, something of its grandeur. Within that life is the germ of infinite potencies. One feels convinced that man's possibility of attainment cannot be measured, that boundary lines to his onward march and are unthinkable. Standing on this height, he finds that he can draw new power to himself from the infinite energy of which he is a part. Some men seem to attract success, power, wealth, attainment, with very little conscious effort, others conquer with great difficulty. Still others fail altogether to reach their ambitions, desires, and ideas. Why is this so? Why should some men realize their ambitions easily, others with difficulty, and still others none at all? The cause cannot be physical, else the most perfect men physically would be the most successful. The difference, therefore, must be mental, must be the mind, hence mind must be the creative force must constitute the sole difference between men. It is mind, therefore, which overcomes environment and every other obstacle in the path of men. It is the actualizing of interior quality through the creative power of thought, which has given us greater leaders like Alexander, Napoleon, Cromwell, Marlborough and Washington, captains of industry like Carnegie, Morgan, Rockefeller, and Levelhume, inventors like Stevenson, Morse, Marconi, Edison, Tesla, and a host of others. If then the only difference between men lies in the ability to think, to use and control their thought, to develop it if the secret of, of all success, all power, all attainment is the creative power of mind, the force of thought, surely the ability of think correctly should become the paramount object of every man when the creative power of thought is fully understood its effect will be seen to be marvelous but such results cannot be secured without proper application diligence and concentration the student will find that the laws governing in the mental and spiritual world are as fixed and infallible as in the material world to secure the desired results, then, it is necessary to know the law and to comply with it. A proper compliance with the law will be found to produce the desired result with invariable extractitude. The student who learns the power comes from within, 
that he is weak only because he has depended on help from outside and who unhesitatingly throws himself on his own thought and insistently writes himself, stands erect, assumes a dominant attitude, and works miracles. Scientists tell us that we live in the universal ether. This is formless of itself, but it is pliable and forms about us, in us and around us, according to our thought and word. We set it into activity by that which we think. Then that which manifests to us objectively is that we have thought or said. Thought is governed by law. The reason we have not manifested more faith is because of lack of understanding. We have not understood that everything works in exact accordance with definite law. The law of thought is and definite as the law of mathematics or the law of chemistry and the law of electricity or the law of gravitation. When we begin to understand that happiness, health, success, prosperity, and every other condition or environment are results, and that these results are created by right thinking either consciously or unconsciously, we shall realize the importance of a working knowledge of the laws governing thought. Those coming into conscious realization of the power of thought find themselves in possession of the best that life can give. Substantial things of a higher order become theirs, and these sublime realities are so constituted that they can be made tangible parts of daily personal life. They realize a world of high, higher power and keep that power constantly working. This power is inexhaustible, limitless, and they are therefore carried forward from victory to victory. Obstacles that seem insurmountable are overcome. Enemies are changed to friends, conditions are overcome, elements transformed, fate is conquered. The supply of good is inexhaustible and the demand can be made along whatever lines we may desire. This is the mental law of demand and supply. Again, thank you guys. This is the Only You Podcast. And today I'm doing The Master Key System. And it was a book that was published in 1916 by Charles F. Hanel. Thank you for tuning in. And thank you for following me. And thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. Uh, this is our second season here at The Only You Podcast. And I hope you enjoy this year. Our circumstances and environment are formed by our thoughts. We have perhaps been creating these conditions unconsciously. If they are unsatisfactory, the remedy is to consciously alter our mental attitude and see if our circumstances adjust themselves to the new mental condition. There is nothing strange or supernatural about this. It is simply the law of being. The thoughts which take root in the mind will certainly produce fruit after their kind. The greatest schemer cannot gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles. To improve our conditions, we must first improve ourselves. Our thoughts and our desires will be the first to show improvement. To be, a, to be in ignorance of the laws governing in the mental world is to be like a child playing with fire or a man manipulating powerful chemicals without a knowledge of their natural and relations. This is universally true because mind is the one great cause which causes all conditions and the lives of men and women. Admitting that you agree with everything that has been stated thus far, and most persons will take no exception 
to anything that has been said. It still remains to make a practical application of the law. In order to take advantage of this law and put ourselves into harmonious relationship with it so that the benefit may be made or manifested in our lives, it is necessary to see that the conditions are met for its proper operation. We may know the laws governing electricity. We may have all the proper mechanisms, the lamps, the wires, the switches, and we may even know how to generate the power. But if the connections are not properly made, we can work the switch till doomsday and no light will appear. So with the law of attraction, it is in operation all the time. Everywhere. Something is constantly being created. Something is appearing. Everything is continually changing. But to take advantage of this process, it is just as necessary to comply with the laws as it is in the case of electricity or gravitation. Mind is creative and operates through the law of attraction. We are not to try to influence any to do what we think they should do. Each individual has a right to choose for himself, but aside from this, we would be operating under the law of force, which is destructive in its nature and just the opposite of the law of attraction. A little reflection will convince you that all the great laws of nature operate in silence and that the underlying principle is the law of attraction. It is only destructive process. Oh, excuse me. It is only destructive processes such as earthquakes and catastrophes that employ force. Nothing good is ever accomplished in that way. To be successful, attention must invariably be directed to the creative plane it must never seek to deprive you do not wish to take anything away from anyone else you want to create something for yourself and what you want for yourself you are perfectly willing that everyone else should have you know that it is not necessary to take from one to give to another but that the supply for all is abundant Nature's storehouse of wealth is inexhaustible, and if there seems to be a lack of supply anywhere, it is only because the channels of distribution are as yet imperfect. Abundance is a natural law of the universe. The evidence of this law is conclusive. We see it on every hand. Everywhere nature is lavish, wasteful, extravagant. Nowhere in Excuse me. Nowhere is economy observed in any created thing. Profusion is manifested in everything. The millions and millions of trees and flowers and plants and animals and the vast scheme of reproduction where the process of creating and recreating is forever going on. All indicates the lavishness with the nature has made provision for man. That there is an abundance for everyone is evident, but that many seem to have been separated from the supply is also evident. They have not yet come into realization of the universally of all substance, and that mind is the active principle which starts, causes, and motion whereby we are related to the things we desire. 
It is evident, therefore, that he who fails to fully investigate and take advantage of the wonderful progress which is being made in this last and greatest science will soon be as far behind as the man who would refuse to acknowledge and accept the benefits which have occurred to mankind through an understanding of laws of electricity. Of course, mind creates negative conditions just as readily as favorable conditions, and when we consciously or unconsciously visualize every kind of lack, limitation, and discord, we create these conditions. This is what many are unconsciously doing all the time. This law, as well as every other law, is no respecter of persons, but is in constant operation and is relentless, bringing to each individual exactly what he has created. In other words, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall also reap. And I actually, that was the beginning of this season's podcast, is As a Man Thinketh, So He Is, by James Allen. So if you guys want to go back and check that podcast out, please do, because it is a good one too. Abundance, therefore, depends upon a recognition of the laws of abundance and the fact that mind is not only the creator, but the only creator of all there is. Certainly, nothing can be created before we know that it can be created and then make the proper effort. Unless you're Nikolai Tesla, Tesla or Elon Musk, I guess. <laughs> There is no more electricity in the world today than there was 50 years ago. But until someone recognizes the, the law by which it could be made of service, we received no benefit. Now that the law is understood, practically the whole world is lit up by it. So with the law of abundance, it is only those who recognize the law and place themselves in harmony with it who share in its benefits. A recognition of the law of abundance develops certain mental and moral qualities, among which are courage, loyalty, tact, individuality, and constructiveness. These are all modes of thought, and as all thought is creative, they manifest in the objective conditions corresponding with the mental conditions. This is necessary. Oh, excuse me. This is necessarily true because the ability of the individual to think is the his ability to act upon the universal mind and bring it into manifestation. It is the process whereby the individual becomes a channel for the differentiation of the universal. Every thought is a cause in every condition and effect. The principle endows the individual with seemingly transcendental possibilities, among which is the mastery of conditions through the creation and recognition of opportunities. This creation of opportunity implies the existence or creation of the necessary qualities or talents which are thought forces and which result in a consciousness of power which future events cannot disturb. It is this organization of victory or success within the mind, the consciousness of the power within, which constitutes an, the responsive, harmonious action, whereby we are related to the objects and purposes which we seek. This is the law of attraction and action. This law, being the common property of all, 
can be exercised by anyone having sufficient knowledge of its operation. Courage is that power of the mind which manifests in the love of mental conflict. It is a noble and lofty sentiment. It is the it is equally fitted to command or obey. Both require courage. It often has a tendency to conceal itself. There are men and women too who apparently exist only to do what is pleasing to others. But when the time comes and the latent will will is revealed we find under the velvet glove an iron hand and no mistake about it and where that comes from right there uh the the um iron hand with the velvet glove the iron hand um that comes from julius caesar you guys julius caesar always said i rule with an iron fist but with a velvet glove true courage is cool calm and collected and is never foolhardy, quarrelsome, ill-natured, or contentious. Accumulation is the power to reserve and preserve a part of the supply which we are constantly receiving so as to be in position to take advantage of the larger opportunities which will come as soon as we are ready for them. Has it not been said to him that hath shall be given? All successful businessmen have this quality, well-developed. James J. Hill, who recently died, leaving an estate of over $52 million, said, If you want to know whether you are destined to be a success or a failure in life, you can easily find out. The test is simple, and it is infallible. Are you able to save money? If not, drop out. You will lose. You may think not, but you will lose as sure as you live. The seed of success is not in you. This is very good so far as it goes. But anyone who knows the biography of James J. Hill knows that he acquired his $50 million by following the exact methods we gave, we have given. In the first place, he started with nothing. He had to use his imagination to idolize the vast railroad which he projected across the western prairies he then had to come into a recognition of the law of abundance in order to provide the ways and means for materializing it. Unless he had followed out this program, he would never had have had anything to save. Thank you guys again for listening to the Only You Podcast. It's your boy, Lo Jackson. And today we're doing The Master Key System by Charles F. Hanel. Accumulativeness acquires momentum. The more you accumulate, the more you desire, and the more you desire, the more you accumulate. So that is but a short time until the action and reaction acquire a momentum that cannot be stopped. It must, however, never be co- conform. Excuse me. It must, however, never be confounded with self self selfishness, miserliness. They are perversions and will make any true progress impossible. Constructiveness is the creative instinct of the mind. It will be readily seen that every successful businessman must be able to plan, develop, or construct. In the business world, it is usually referred to as initiative. It is not enough to go along in the beaten path. New ideas must be developed. 
new ways of doing things. It manifests in building, design, planning, inventing, discovering, improving. It is a most valuable quality and must be constantly encouraged and developed. Every individual possesses it in some degree because he is a center of consciousness in the infinite and eternal energy from which all things proceed. Water manifests on three planes, as ice, as water, and as steam. It is all the same compound. The only difference is the temperature, but no one would try to drive an engine with ice, con convert it into steam, and it easily takes up the load. So with your energy, if you want it to act on the creative plane, you will have to begin by melting the ice with the fire of imagination. And you will find that the stronger the fire and the more ice you melt, the more powerful your thought will become and the easier it will be for you to materialize your desire. Sagacity, Sagacity is the ability to perceive and cooperate with natural law. True sagacity avoids trickery and deceit as it would the leprosy. It is the product of that deep insight which enables one to penetrate into the heart of things and understand how to set causes in motion which will inevitably create successful conditions. Tact is a very subtle and at the same time a very important factor in business success. It is very similar to intuition. To possess tact, one must have a fine feeling, must instinctively know what to say or what to do. In order to be, a tactful, to be tactful, one must possess sympathy and understanding. That understanding which is so rare for all men see and hear and feel, but how desperately few understand. Tact enables one to foresay, foresay what is about to happen and calculate the results of actions. Tact enables us to feel when we are in the presence of physical, mental, and moral cleanliness. For these are today invariably demanded as the price of success. Loyalty is one of the strongest links which bind men of strength and character. It is one of which never be broken with impu impunity. The man who would lose his right hand rather than betray a friend will never lack friends. The man who will stand in silent guard until death, if need be, beside the shrine of confidence or friendship of those who have allowed him to enter, will find himself linked with a current of cosmic power which will attract desirable conditions only. It is inconceivable that such a one should ever meet with lack of any kind. Individuality is the power of excuse me, individuality is the power to unfold our own latent possibilities to be a law unto ourselves, to be interested in the race rather than the goal. Strong men care nothing for the flock of imitators who trot complacently behind them. They derive no satisfaction in the mere leading of large numbers or the plaudits of the mob. This pleases only petty natures and inferior minds. Individuality glories more in the unfolding of the power within that in the severity of the weakling. 
Individuality is a real power inherent in all and the development and consequent expression of this power enables one to assume the responsibility of directing his own footsteps rather than stampeding after some self-assertive bellwether. Truth is the imperative condition of the well-being. Excuse me. Truth is the imperative condition of all well-being. To be sure, to know the truth and to stand confidently on it is a satisfaction beside which no other is comparable. Truth is the underlying variety, the condition precedent to every business or social relation. Truth is the only solid ground in a world of conflict, doubt, and danger. Every act not in harmony with truth, whether through ignorance or design, cuts the ground from under our feet, leads to discord, inevitably loss, and confusion. For while the humblest mind can accurately foretell the result of ever correct action, the greatest, most profound and penetrating mind loses its way hopelessly and can form no conception of the results due to the departure from correct principles. Those who establish within themselves the requisite elements of true success have established confidence, organized victory, and it only remains for them to take such steps from time to time as the newly awakened th thought force will direct. And herein rests the magical secret of all power. Less than 10% of our mental process is conscious. The other 90%... 90% is subconscious and unconscious so that he who would depend upon his conscious thought alone for result is less than 10% efficient. Those who are accomplishing anything worthwhile are those who are enabled to take advantage of this greater storehouse of mental wealth. It is the vast domain of the subconscious mind. The great truths are hidden, and it is here that thought finds its creative power, its power to correlate with its object to bring out of the unseen the seen. Those familiar with the law of electricity understand the principle that electricity must always pass from a higher to a lower potentiality and can therefore make whatever application of the power they desire. Those not familiar with this law can effect effect nothing. And so, with the law governing in the mental world, those who understand that mind penetrates all things, is omnipresent, and is responsive to every demand, can make use of the law and can control conditions, circumstances, and environment. The uniform cannot use it because they don't know it. The fruit of this knowledge is as it were, a gift of the gods, it is the truth that makes men free, not only free from every lack and limitation, but free from sorrow, worry, and care, and it is not wonderful to, excuse me, and is it not wonderful to realize that this law is no respecter of persons, that it makes no difference what your habit of thought may be, the way has been prepared." With the realization that this mental power controls and directs every other power which exists, that it can be cultivated and developed, that no limitation can be placed upon its activity, it will become apparent that it is the greatest fact in the world 
the remedy for every ill, the solution for every difficulty, the gratification of every desire, in fact, that it is the Creator's magnificent provision for human emancipation. The scientific spirit now dominates every field of effort. Relations of cause and effect are no longer ignored. The discovery of a reign of law marked an epoch in human progress. Thank you guys for listening. This is the Only You Podcast, and this is your boy, Lo Jackson. And I also wanted to kind of include today um, some coping skills for um, anyone who's, you know, going through any kind of traumas or, you know, have had past traumas. You know, you got to learn to develop a toolbox of, like, deep breathing, relaxation skills, meditation skills. A favor of ours is uh, circular breathing. This is where you take a slow breath in, and as you are doing this, count to five in your mind. At the top of your breath, hold it for five seconds. And this is called an isometric breath, is when anything that you hold, whether you're doing a push-up and you hold yourself close to the ground, that's called an isometric isometric push-up. But here it's talking about isometric breathing because you're taking a deep breath and you're holding it in, counting to five, and then exhaling. Then slowly let your breath out again, counting to five as you do this. Oh, lastly, at the bottom of your breath, before you breathe in again, um, you hold it for the same five seconds. This is where you start all over again. You know, you try this for a couple of cycles. And the second one is re-engage in a hobby or activity you have uh, not done in a while so you know something you've put down you haven't picked it up pick it back up again try it again and you know rekindle that relationship with that hobby three find a new activity sport or hobby that you can participate in whether it be basketball softball you know a chess club you know get out there and get involved because the more social you are the more your ailments are going to go away because the more you force yourself into society the more less likely you're going to be ill Four is make a list of the people you trust that you can call when you are not doing well. And I think everybody needs this list. Um, And this actually, I think, stems from the big book from AA, I would say. And that's when you, you know, you make, I think it's actually, um, no, this may be, um, I think, step four of the 12 steps is when you make amends to people you have hurt. So you have to make a list of all the people that you trust and you're, you know, that care about you, and then you got to well, go apologize to them. So, I mean, it's similar to this. I, I am saying it's similar. And you got to help them understand, you know, you, you, you uh, excuse me, you help them understand you, just need them to be a listener or, you know, a soundboard for you, pretty much. Um, five is search on the web for people who have experienced similar trauma and have seemingly come out on the other side. You're, you listen to their stories, you know, you see what has helped them, and then you try to ask them questions, you know, about their coping skills to try to implement their skills in your life. And thank you guys for listening. Again, this is the Only You Podcast. It's your boy, Lo Jackson. And hopefully this season will have just as much uh, uh, turnout as uh, season one did. I could not believe all you guys that came out to hear me. I sometimes listen to my podcast and I think, you know, I shouldn't be doing these live. I ought to edit them so I sound better. But, you know, I only get better talking by doing it live. And I think it feels more real doing it live. So 
Once again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing me and thank you for listening. And like always, you know, don't talk about it, be about it. Your mental health is more important than that uh, daily coffee. Your mental health is more important than um, that cigarette. You know, the your 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 mental health is more important than you know all the addictions combined and all the mistreatments you've ever been through. You know, get your mental health right. You'll get your body right. You'll get your spirit right, and things will fall into place. And continue coming back to the Only You podcast, and I'll continue trying to reach one and teach one. Thank you so much, your boy Lo Jackson. Like always, until next time.